0: Podcast number 72, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. In the history of song, few, if any, have been written about as much as John Lennon's Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Books, psychological studies and journals, interviews, and articles, just to name a few, have analyzed this song, especially the lyrics. Before I do the musical analysis, I would like to read an excerpt from an article originally published on The Psych Report before it became part of The Behavioral Scientist in 2017. In his recent book, Lucy in the Mind of Lennon, Oxford University Press psychologist Tim Kasser utilizes the methods of psychological science to explore John Lennon's life through one of his most famous and controversial songs, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. In the exclusive excerpt below, Kasser applies the techniques of linguistic analysis to better understand the meaning of the song as well as the life and mind of John Lennon. The problem. When the Beatles released their album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, in the late spring of 1967, fans and critics alike were quick to find references to drugs throughout the LP. The album's deliriously decorated jacket featured marijuana plants in the garden behind which the Beatles stood. The lyrics of With a Little Help from My Friends, Lovely Rita, and A Day in the Life all referred to marijuana, mentioning getting high and taking some tea, as well as a desire to turn you on. And tuned in listeners easily connected the feelings, sensations, and visions people typically experience while on hallucinogenic drugs to the dreamlike imagery of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Some clever listeners even pointed out that the song's title shares the initials of the drug LSD. The Beatles had no doubt contributed to the perception that Sgt. Pepper was indeed a piece of hippie propaganda for a hallucinogenic partying. Around the time the album was released, Paul McCartney revealed in Life magazine interviews that he had been using marijuana and LSD. McCartney even went on to extol the virtues of LSD, claiming that it brought him closer to God and would yield world peace if only politicians would try it. Soon after, John Lennon, George Harrison, and the Beatles' manager, Brian Epstein, also admitted that they had used LSD. Later that summer, the Beatles endorsed the legalization of marijuana by signing their names to a full-page advertisement in the London Times. Despite these public proclamations about his drug use, John Lennon steadfastly denied that Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was about drugs. Lennon instead consistently claimed that the song was a response to a picture painted by his almost four-year-old son Julian. The often-repeated story goes that Julian had brought this picture home from school and told his father that it was of his friend Lucy, who was up in the sky with diamonds. Lennon's mind had then wandered toward the Lewis Carroll books, Alice in Wonderland, and through the looking glass that he had long admired and recently been rereading. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was born when Lennon took images from Julian's picture and combined them with elements of Carroll's stories and poems. A third explanation for the song's meaning and origin was provided by Lennon many years after it was written, just a few weeks before he was killed. While reflecting on each of the songs in his discography, Lennon said about this about Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. A quote. There was also the image of the female who would someday come save me, a girl with kaleidoscope eyes who would come out of the sky. It turned out to be Yoko though I hadn't met Yoko yet. The imagery was Alice in the boat, and also the image of this female who would come and save me, this secret love that was going to come one day. So it turned out to be Yoko, though, and I hadn't met Yoko then, but she was my imaginary girl that we all have, End quote. Lennon's 1980 explanation provided the springboard for yet another interpretation of the song. In a footnote to his 1994 book, Revolution in the Head, The Beatles' Records and the 60s, music critic Ian McDonald suggested the following, the girl with the kaleidoscope eyes was, for Lennon, the lover, mother of his most helpless fantasies, the image of the female who would someday come save me, the mysterious oracle woman mourned for in Yes, it is. Lennon's 1965 recording, bewildered by in She Said, She Said, Lennon's 1966 song, was originally his mother Julia, a role subsequently assumed by Yoko Ono in the song Julia, Lennon's 1968 recording. So here we have four explanations for the origin and meaning of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. One, it is about the drug LSD. Two, it is a lyrical response to Julian's drawing, colored by the writings of Lewis Carroll. Three, it is about a female savior who turned out to be Yoko Ono. And four, it is about Lenin's mother, Julia. Is only one of these explanations true? Are none of them true? Are they all true? In this excerpt from the article, we have seen that there are many versions of what really this song was about. The author goes on to use computer programs to dissect the lyrics and their relationship to Lenin's life. This is truly a fascinating subject, but now we're ready to do the musical analysis of this work, which I found equally interesting and fascinating, and for our purposes, offers the songwriter a vast array of techniques to use in their own works. Not only Lucy in the Sky, but if we look at the Beatles as a group, the amount of written and recorded material on their lives and music is staggering. One of the most discussed topics is how, by those who admit to no formal musical training, could have composed such an incredible amount of music with such innovative experimental techniques, both in music and the use of abstract poetry. Their influence extended not only to popular and rock music that followed, but also included dress, behavior, popular culture, religion, political attitudes around the world, to an extent unheard of before. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is a microcosm of all I have just mentioned. As we shall see in the analysis, A myriad of techniques not normally found in popular music will be highlighted, including innovative architecture, melodic construction, use of ostinato, uneven phrasing and sectioning, unexpected, unprepared modulations, and borrowed chords, just to name a few. The overall architecture includes an introduction, the three-part verse, the chorus, the three-part verse again, the chorus, The verse, but only the A and A1 sections, the first two sections, then the chorus, which is repeated and fades out. Now let's look at the sections. The introduction. As this common procedure, the introduction sets the key signature, which is the key of A in this case, the time signature, 3-4, the tempo, feel, mood, harmonic chord rhythm that will follow. There are exceptions, of course. See, under the bridge, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast number 18. In the introduction for Lucy, we see a four-bar musical phrase, which will become the background as the song enters. This phrase will become an ostinato, in other words, a reoccurring pattern that accompanies the first two parts of the three-part verse. It is extremely interesting in that it outlines the following chords. What I just played was an A major chord with the A in the bass, and then an A chord with the G in the bass, then The A chord with the F-sharp in the bass becomes F-sharp minor 7th. And then we move to, out of the key, F natural with the C-sharp, which becomes an F augmented. So the F augmented is not in the key of A major. It may be borrowed from the key of D minor. The three chord in D minor is F augmented. However, here I think it was formed due to the fact that the first note of every chord in the arpeggio is a descending line. A, G, F-sharp, and then F-natural. Building a musical composition over a short bass line and harmonic progression has been used for hundreds of years. A perfect example of this is the Chaconne. This is a musical composition involving a fairly short repetitive bass line and a harmonic progression which offers a compositional outline for variation. Exactly what we have here. One of the greatest examples of this is Johann Sebastian Bach, Chaconne, the fifth movement of the partita number two in D minor for solo violin, 1720. This is also very famous for classical guitar in that it was transcribed for that instrument. So from the opening measures, we see a chord progression not generally used in rock songs of this time period. In fact, up to this point, rock songs generally kept to a simple four chord CA minor FG type progression or a 12 bar blues. Of course, when we look at the standards of the 30s, 40s and 50s, we see very advanced harmonies. See podcast number 40, Laura, from the movie of the same name. After the Beatles emerges soft rock, hard rock, psychedelic, and fountains of styles all influenced by their innovations. The overall effect of the intro and following sections fits the image of a psychedelic dream as the tonal colors will shift. The first section, the A section. The A section is nine measures long, unusual due to the fact most songs feature even numbered phrases in sections, two, four, etc., Here the phrase is one continuous, eight-measure melody, hypnotic in its repetition of three notes with slight alteration in the last two measures, creating the cadential pause. In all my previous podcasts, I have made the correlation between chords, chord progressions, chord and non-chord tone colors. I have stressed how the background harmony is similar to the first layer of paint an artist applies to canvas, influencing and coloring all that is layered above, color or notes. Here we have a classic example of how the interplay of chord and non-chord tones create shifting tonal colors combined with the instruments used. As not to break any copyright laws, please listen to the original recording. I will play examples. Chord tones create consonants and calm. Non chord tones create shifting shades of tension and calm, light and dark. I will play the chords now with the notes slowly and label them. One, three, and five are in the chord, the others are non chord tones. For the first chord, the A major chord, we have three notes, all C sharp, the third of the chord. For our next chord, we have the A chord with the G in the bass and the three notes C-sharp, B, and A. The third, the second, and the first, the root. Now we have the F-sharp minor seventh chord. The C-sharp, B, and A, the same three notes, now become the fifth, the fourth, and the third of the chord. And for the fourth chord, the F augmented, we have C-sharp, B, and A, the same three notes, but now they are the augmented fifth, the fourth, and the third of the chord. Augmented chords have a dissonant pulling sound. The same three notes are colored differently because of the chords. The resulting effect subconsciously reinforces the kaleidoscope imagery of the lyrics. The A1 section, the second section. This repeats the A section with unexpected alterations. Again, not usual in repetition of a verse. It is 10 measures long, one more than the first A, but constructed differently. The previous eight measure phrase and one measure rest now is an eight measure phrase using the same melody condensed into six measures plus a two measure resting cadence on the note A. Here we pause on the F sharp minor chord as opposed to the end of the first section, which paused on an F major chord. two measures featuring a D minor and a D minor with a C bass, one measure each. (laughs) D major is the IV chord in the key of A. Changing it to a minor chord is a common practice. Here we have a pivot chord. A pivot chord is a chord common to two keys. So changing D major to D minor which is now the three chord in the key of B flat major creates a pivot. And that's where we are heading now, into the third section of the verse. The D minor with the D bass moving to the D minor with the C bass is leading us into the note B flat and the B flat major chord. This third section of the verse reminds us of the two previous sections in the repetitive use of one note in a quarter note rhythm which is supported by the chords and the bass, which follows this quarter note rhythmic motive. However, it is really quite different. The first phrase is an even-numbered four-bar phrase. In fact, most of the following song uses even phrasing. The chord rhythm has changed. Now it is one chord for every two measures. The first two measures have the melody on one note, D, the third of the B-flat chord. The 3rd and 4th measures are unusual in that they start with one note C, then move back to that note D, but now it is the ninth of the C7 chord, pausing on that note. That pause has dissonance. C9 is the five chord in the key of F, pulling to that chord which now follows the F chord. The second phrase of this section reinforces my earlier example of how the same notes change color with a different chordal background. Two measures of the note D, again, only this time against an F chord creating an F6 chord, which is in itself unexpected because F is the five chord in the key of B flat, the key we're in. And when a D is added, it is usually on the top of an F7 chord, creating a dominant 13th, a dissonant chord, pulling to the one chord B flat. H- here, it only colors the chord. For the six chords, usually add color, but not dissonance, and they are usually used on the one and the four chords in any key. The third and fourth measures of this second phrase cadence on the note B flat against the B flat chord, creating a resting period. The third phrase. Once again we just heard the first and second measures feature the note D, only this time instead of the C9 chord we have C7. In the third measure we see three more Ds continue but now the chord changes to a G chord, another key change. This measure and the next two firmly modulate into the key of G. The fourth measure, we have the note D against the G chord, the note C against D7, the C is the seventh of the D7 chord, dissonant, and B natural against an E minor chord. So we have G is the one chord in the key of G, D7 is the five 7 and E minor is the two minor chord. The next chord introduces the chorus. We have a D chord, the 5 chord in the key of G. The time now is changed from 3-4 into 4-4. Four Four drum beats introduce the chorus. This is a straight ahead rock chorus featuring G, C, and D, the 1-4-5 chords, the main chords in blues and most rock songs. In fact, we have G for two beats, C for two, and D7 for four. Hundreds and hundreds of songs use this progression. What we have is three repetitions of a two bar phrase with John singing the title, then a one bar extension featuring a repetition of the D chord that introduced the chorus as John sings, ah. The verse and chorus are repeated with new lyrics until the coda, which features the chorus repeated over and over as it fades out. In these final repetitions of the chorus, the one measure is extended to two as John sings, ah. As we have seen musically, this song is an encyclopedia of musical techniques, mirroring the abstract poetry and psychedelic imagery of the lyrics, the music shifts tonal colors, harmonies, and time, fusing this world of colors and dreams. I found this study truly enlightening as I worked through it. I hope some of the techniques will help you in your songwriting. If you are interested, I have videos on YouTube dealing with aspects of composition and a book, The Songwriter's Guide to Melodies, on Amazon. I'd like to leave you with this quote by Gary Wright. Music's staying power is a function of how timeless the lyrics, song, and production are. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Joe.